0: Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Provincial State of Mind. Myself, Owen Harrison, Jeff Neville, and sometimes Tom Savage. Uh, This is a podcast focused on all four Irish provincial sides in both the URC and European competitions. We discuss what happened the previous weekend, what we can expect from each province in upcoming games, as well as any major off-field news. Um, As you may have gathered, uh, Mister Savage or Savage or whatever he calls himself these well writes his name apparently this time. Is uh, missing this week. He has been arrested on suspicion of doping with EPO. Um, How how that helps him in the podcasts, I'm not too sure. Or his Patreon page, but he's there. Uh, We suspect Paul Kimmage ratted him out, but uh, we can't prove it. Um, I I like
1: he told he told everyone he has COVID, but like do you know the way he texted us then in the group secretly, and he was like, I just don't want Paul Kimmage to listen to this podcast and then slate me for my lack of knowledge. So, he, really, Tom's just been a coward more than anything, I think. Um,
0: yeah, it's it's not like he even has to write his name in this podcast.
1: But, like, Tom just talks shit anyway. Like, he doesn't really, you know, he, he'll spend 20 minutes talking about being in the pool. Then he'll say, I didn't see this game, but. And then he'll just talk about Munster. My beloved marriages. monster. That's yeah. it, like, you know. Um, so, I don't know what he was so afraid of Paul Kimmage about, uh, judging on this. But that was an interesting interaction all the same, wasn't it, during the week? It's um, <laughs> <laughs>
0: Not often you get called out by people like that. <laughs> it's nice. That's <laughs> fun to it. Yeah.
1: It's yeah. nice he was recognised.
0: <laughs> yeah, and someone went to the trouble because that person's name wasn't mentioned in any of the tweets or anything else. You had to go seriously search for it.
1: Yeah, no, I'm staying away from it now because I don't want to get yelled at either. So I'm done making fun of it. I'm too uh <laughs> I'm too afraid of getting in trouble.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we'll leave it there. So what have you been up to this week, Jeff?
1: Uh I've gone back running. I signed up for the Great Limit run, as I told you there a few weeks ago. And uh, I finally got around to actually starting to to move. So I went back running on Monday. So I ran Monday, Tuesday and today. And I honestly look at stairs now and I know how mountaineers feel when they're looking at Everest. It's my legs are falling off me. Absolutely falling off me. And I even had like this moment of like on uh was it on Monday night? I was like, right, Tuesday, I'm up the wall Tuesday. I'm very, very busy. So probably the only time I'll get to go for a run is in the morning. So I was like, do you know what I'll do? I'll get up now a quarter to six and I'll go for a run and I have the run done before, do you, know, do you know, I'll have the run done the shower done, whatever, before getting up like at the usual time. And as the day went on, that plan obviously went out the window. And when I was going to bed, my wife was like, are you still going for a run in the morning? And I was like, no, like I'm not a LinkedIn ad, like, I'm not doing this. I'm not going to be that person on LinkedIn who's like, you know, don't have time in the morning or don't have time during the day. What about four o'clock in the morning? I was like, no, like, I'm (laughs) I'm just not doing this. So I decided not to be uh, that person that everybody hates in the staff room. And uh, I just went that night instead, but I still regretted it. But yeah, other than that, no, my week has been properly, properly uneventful, to be honest with you. How's yours?
0: Similar. Very uneventful. Uh, I haven't taken up running. Um, mainly because don't. I can't be arsed. Yeah. People, <laughs> to be people fair, did...
1: run for a living. How do you do it? It's so unenjoyable.
0: <laughs> and from the stories you've been telling there, you're not really selling it well. So <laughs> there's no sort of emphasis that would make me sort of want to take it up. Um, no, this week I have had car problems. So my car is giving me jip at the moment. I can only drive it about 20 minutes and then the gearbox goes into uh, emergency mode and will only allow me to select second or fourth gear. Reverse sec- second or fourth gear.
1: That's not too bad. Like you can start the car in first or in second kind of a thing. Yeah, you And you just need to give it a good G up and go straight to fourth. So it's yeah. not too bad. Another <laughs> few years, You get another few years out of that, right?
0: <laughs> yeah. If any so car dealerships I, I a, are
1: listening, this is Owen's plug for a free car, please.
0: Yes, or just free, sort of free repairs. I'm willing to pay for parts, but yeah, free repairs go down nicely. I'll repair I'm it, if you it want. Could be expensive.
1: If you um, get me the parts, I'll oh, do it. I, I don't mind. <laughs> I got, <laughs> I haven't a clue what I'm doing, but I'll do it for you for free. No problem.
0: I've, I've, I can put up a YouTube video. <laughs> <laughs> But Which like, is how how I fix anything at
1: home isn't there's nothing like um like uh, we got a we got a new car there not so long ago and I finally had to pull the hood up on it and like I had you know had no clue <laughs> you're looking around all the drivers you're like where the fuck is this thing like? and YouTube no, there's nothing more there's nothing that makes you feel as useless as like I'm not even trying to fix the car do you know that kind of way I'm not like there's nothing wrong yeah. I just had to put water into the wipers. But I can't even open the top of it. And I'm like, I am like, if my father could see me now, do you know that guy? <laughs> Googling how to open the top of the camera. I am the snowflake generation.
0: <laughs> yeah. There's people who have lived in wilderness and, you know, shot, you know, killed animals for their own food and, you know, had to, had to provide their own, their own shelter and things like that. Yeah.
1: And I'm like, my windscreen I, like, for is YouTube, dirty.
0: <laughs> yeah, I have to YouTube, how to open the bonnet. That's where this generation has gone to. And I'm not. Oh, look, I don't. Don't get me wrong. I'm nowhere near. Like, I'm very much with you on this thing. Like, I remember, and this is going back a few years now. But like, I remember when um, I got just when my when my daughter was born, trying to get the uh, child seat and fit it into the car. For oh,
1: the first they're time. they're hell on earth, aren't they?
0: Oh, until, until you sort of use them. It, that's that's the equivalent of like coming from, I would imagine, you know, the Stone Age. and been given a Rubik's Cube to try and solve.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and the thing is, no matter how many times you put them in or take them out, it's just like the first time every time. It's so yeah. difficult. Like. I can't wait. To- I can't wait for Tom to have to do it. I'm sure he'll oh, take that's it. Oh, well. that's going to be a
0: brilliant story. I'm sure he'll take it very well. Yeah, the amount of times I sort of chipped skin and flesh out of my hands. <laughs> I think I could have stabbed them or broken them with fingers and things like that. Just trying to get it in. I was trying to get that thing fixed into the car. And like once it was in and it was somewhat secure, it was staying there. Yeah. You to touch that now. They oh,
1: Even if you're selling the car, you're like, it comes with a
0: car seat. Don't touch that. Don't touch that. I'm warning you. Don't touch it.
1: It's a four-seater. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: do you not touch the car seat base do you think people do you think
1: people will miss tom's swimming stories
0: we could just make them up like he does do
1: you want me to pretend i'm tom, tom and tell a swimming story
0: yeah okay yeah yeah I'll, I'll, go for
1: it. I'll go for it so i'm in the pool and i have a float and i'm standing in the middle of the pool and i'm breathing and i don't know where i'm going with this and, and like most
0: things in this podcast, we we don't edit it out either. No,
1: that's there forever. Uh, even though like I'm editing it tonight, I could easily just take that out. But uh I'll leave it there. Yeah. Couldn't be asked All right. to be honest with you. Exactly. That's that's the real truth. High editorial
0: standards, here. Yeah. <laughs> just couldn't couldn't be bothered. <laughs> couldn't be bothered. Uh, let's talk a bit, uh, a little bit about rugby then. Uh, we'll kick off with the first game from last weekend, which was Munster against the Lions. Munster won thirty-three, three. Um, and the Lions were rather...
1: lucky to get three. <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> they were
1: awful. Jesus,
0: they were dire. Like
1: they were absolutely dire. And I uh, like that's,
0: no, no. Let's let's give them the credit. The scrum was excellent.
1: Oh, six scrum pens. Yeah, absolutely br- brilliant. Like what did they do with it, like.
0: Yeah, couldn't figure out what to do beyond that. Jesus. They couldn't even keep the ball
1: in the scrum to win a penalty try. It was. Yeah, what were they taking that out for? As soon as he took it out, I was like, what are you doing? Your scrum has been like pretty much annihilating the monster scrum all night. You're five metres out, the scrum's going forward and you pick and go. I'd murder him if I was a coach afterwards. What a brain fart.
0: Now, Uh, I, I... I think number one, he's not a regular number eight, right? I know, give him his due, on that. but why the scrum half ran off five meters to to, to almost take the ball from him or ask him to move it? Beyond me, it's like that's unbelievable. An, and then that's a ball that even after the, tweet, ref blows
1: the whistle, I, you you just leave it in there. You're like, that's never coming out.
0: We're going to need a new yeah. ball on the pitch. Yeah. I then tweeted. Uh, I was watching the game live, and I tweeted um after the Lions out half had screwed up several kicks, several plays, and then booted the ball long off the kickoff with the wind. Oh over so the you, dead a hurricane again. level wind. Yeah. And like this is the sort of thing that you know, any bit of cop on game management skill, you know, okay, I'm gonna hit this a little bit light. You know, I just get it up airborne and the wind will carry it a bit. No, he gives it a full boot. It bounced in goal, in the in goal area. <laughs> I tweeted out then, you know, look, like I think South Africa in general, the the sort of the game management, the halfbacks, and particularly, I think I think the tens is something that they need to improve. They're very good teams and everything else. The amount of South African Dermots that I got in my mentions after that was just unreal.
1: I was about to say, I'm sure that tweet went down
0: very well. <laughs> I don't even know what, what you'd call a South African Dermot. There has to be a sort of a name for them, and maybe, um, maybe that's something we can ask the listeners. What would a, a South African Dermot be?
1: I'd probably just call them a South African Dermot. but Dermot, yeah. I'm so boring, so that probably makes sense. But the li- the lines were so dreadful. Even off like uh, it was one set piece off a lineout, and they clean ball and everything like that. I think nine went to ten. I think it was a poor pass to ten. I think ten went to hit twelve. And did he have to reach high and the 12 then looked to pass it on again and it went behind the runner. And you're just kind of like, there's no pressure on you here. Like, like the Munster D-line is still about five odd yards away. Like, this is a totally unforced error. And I don't know, it just, like, it was a brilliant win by Munster, don't get me wrong. But it's a bit like, do you remember when we were chatting about Leinster Montpellier and Leinster Bath there last season? Like, it wasn't to that level, don't get me wrong. But you're just kind of looking at the line's performance and you're like, well, he didn't actually offer all that much at all. Like they made two clean breaks in the whole game. Um, they had less than 40% of the possession, less than 40% of the territory. And to be honest with you, even if they won a penalty or were given possession five meters out from the line, from the Munster line, like they'd probably still not score. Do you know, like Munster could have probably pointed at, the, pointed at the try line and said, off you go there. And they would have said, oh, no, we're going to we're going to do something different here and not score. Like they were really poor. Munster were good, though. Um, they were good. They were very good defensively, I felt. And credit has to go there as well. I know the lines weren't excellent, but M- Munster's defense was pretty solid. Like they only missed 10 tackles in the whole game. Uh, they didn't have to make a whole pile in context of the game either. But like they they're just kind of it's good to see that rush, that kind of suffocating defense just really pouring through. And I'd say it's actually a nightmare to play against. Uh, we saw it against, uh, was it Northampton as well? Yeah. Um, for that second half of the game where it was just a constant, I'm going to try and sound French here, barrage of, uh, of defence coming up. And it sounded a bit like uh, a <laughs> Frenchman in Limerick, but it was it was just a constant defence like all the time. And uh, it's, it's good to see that kind of come in because I liked the defensive side under Ferreira when he was there. And um, I was kind of sad when he said he was leaving with Mon Grand and stuff like that, but she's the defensive system they have up now. Actually, like I'm really enjoying watching. It's really, really, how would you say, really energetic. It's really efficient. It's real threatening. Uh, they just really get, shut down the space as quick as they can, so long may it last, I think.
0: Yeah, well, what I like about the, uh, the most defensive system is, number one, as, as you talked about there, it's the line speed. It's the pressure that they put on the ball carrier and they look to, to, to cut out the ball carrier getting to the to the edge on the outside and do that but then once it comes back inside the 22 and they don't have to worry too much about the kick in behind Munster can then go to the um the jackal threat a lot more they're they're less worried about line speed going up on it they're more worried about can we get in and, and get at the breakdown and actually turn over the ball once they get into their, their own 22. And it's that sort of double threat that's been very good. And like, well, a lot of the talk has been around the attack and what's happening with sort of Prendergast and things like that. Limi's defense has been excellent, but what I've actually been most impressed about, and I think it's very underrated, is the work that um, Andy Kirikou has been doing on the uh, mall. It has been so impressive. I noticed that it was probably just before the Autumn International break first and particularly against South Africa as well when the South Africa A game down in Cork and since then I've been keeping an eye on it is the ability to pivot off the back of the mall. So when, when the mall comes together it's the sort of the two guys at the back of the line out come in and they pivot to create a split scene that locks the opposition in towards the touchline and forces sort of splits them away that takes them out of the game and it creates so much space for Munster to work in and the ability just to roll the mall around and into space and create so many tries. It's been a, a real weapon for Munster.
1: And you really see it. Um, uh, what's his name? Jeez, I forgot his name. John Hadnett did it uh, for one try. He's on the right-hand side of the mall. like He's bound legally and stuff, but he just cleans across the face and he brings half, yeah. half of the line's defensive mall with him like and the mall I'm talking about, I can't remember if it's the first, second try or whatever, but there's genuinely, like, just, just, there's light, like, it's complete, there's no defensive, um, there's no defensive mall face in Munster, and they get a little bit of a jog on, but then it's done, and then there's another mall try, I could have been there at the very last one, I think, uh, I can't remember who it was who did it, I know he's wearing a black scrum cap, but I can't remember who did it, and he, just, again, he's, he's bound to the left this time, but he just veers in, he clears around, and by the time that try is actually going over, he's actually at the right hand side with about six lines forwards, just hanging out like <laughs> after causing all the damage. But yeah, no, it's classic and it's, uh, I don't know how, well, it's, it's probably, it has to be legal, you know, they're like they're bound, they're driving, they haven't changed their bind or anything like that. So yeah, it's, I'm sure it is fine, but it just, it just really cleared away the face of that mall. Like like you said, and that just that pivot came in or that turn came in, then um, it was huge. It, it was it was very good to watch. Actually, in
0: fairness, yeah, I mean, I've been very impressed with what Munster have done. The evolution of their attack, how they're able to use the heavy sets like that in the mall. If they can continue to do this, they need to add a few bits to the to the squad overall to make it get them back to being really competitive towards silverware. But you know, it's very much on the right course for me. I suppose then outside of the, the match itself, there was a couple of other things that came up through the week. Um, news, which thankfully to Munster, they're keeping stuff available to us for Wednesday. Uh, Dennis Leamy confirmed that Malcolm Marks is not uh, not joining Munster next season or isn't at the moment anyway. I like but, that, the way they just you know, came
1: I, out and flat out said it. Like, that's not happening, so stop.
0: Yeah, it takes away all the, uh, the speculation from it. Now, maybe it just opens up. Who else they are talking to? but um <laughs> if it's not Malcolm Marks, but it's there. The other news then, of course, is uh Mossy Lawler coming back to Munster at the start of next season. I think that's a, a very good appointment. And um, he's done quite well at uh He He's sort of come up through the ranks there, he's a senior coach with them. He's coming back as a, a skills coach for Munster, something that I think is probably needed full time within that. I know they've had someone covering it part-time at the moment, but Again, add to that, good quality coach. I think uh, very positive again for next season. Yeah, it's
1: been a positive week. Like, I mean, you take that lions win, um, you've Northampton coming to Tom and you have Mossy Lawler being signed on as a skills coach. Like, it's a it's a, uh, injuries aside, like it's a very positive week. So, I'm looking forward to to seeing what happens this weekend now against Northampton. I think probably are we moving on to that now or yeah yeah, yeah. like um. I think they might be under a bit of pressure second row wise again, like, with, I mean, you're missing the dog bowl, Witcherly, McDonald, um, there's another Slyman. one in there. They, well, it's not even as uh, there's another one in there, I think. Um, so it probably Whitcherly. just means that Klein and Byrne, like one of them are going to have to go to full 80 again. Um, they're getting through an awful lot of work this season. Um. But I think that, and again, you have that Witcherly's a doubt and Barron's a doubt as well, isn't he, at the moment? Yeah, Uh, yeah. So I think there might be a bit under pressure in the pack. Um, Six scrum penalties there against Lions. There was two I felt they were probably unlucky to concede and probably shouldn't have conceded. But I think it was a case that the Lions just painted such a good picture that it's only ever going one way there. Like you know, Um, and if I was ref, I'd probably be the exact same. You know, you're kind of like well. This scrum's gone down. There's no way it was them. So, boom. But uh, I, th- I I do think that Munster are going to have probably that bit too much for Northampton at home. Um. So I'm, I'm really looking forward just to seeing... I, like, I really hope that the attack they have and the defence they have, like, it's an 80-minute game where we see both rather than, you know, 10 minutes of one. Like And I know, I know you can't attack or, or I know you can't defend when you don't or when you have the ball. Like, But what I mean is I'd really like to see like when they don't have the ball, a quality defensive effort throughout, which we're starting to see a lot more often, but also when they have the ball, like straight from the off, quality attacking straight from the off, and just finally get a blend of two, four eighty 80 minutes, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah. One of the things I liked that was coming out of the Munster camp this week was, um, I think it was Leamy and Rountree set up before. They're having some real interesting conversations about who should start and who should play. And it's, it's not a case of, you know, oh, it's the Irish internationals coming back. It's, this guy has done really well in this position. You know, they've talked about things like, you know, I think it was Leamy said, you know, they're talking about the back row. And, you know, Leamy wants a a chop tackler in the back row for his defensive qualities. Whereas someone else, Prendergast, has an idea of sort of a link man that he wants to play in that position. And he said, you know, forwards coach is looking for a line-out option. And they're they're able to talk about all these things and look at it, it's pick a pack. For the game and build it that way that they want with all the inputs, and they've got they've given so much game time to the different players now that they have those options. Like even if you look at scrum half, I think you know, Paddy Patterson's really putting up his name there as a as a true option that could that could play in this. Whether it's starting or off the bench, doesn't really matter. He he showed that he he suits the system that's there.
1: Hundred percent, and it's a case of like if he was named in the twenty three, you wouldn't blink. You wouldn't be like that's strange. You'd just be like oh yeah. He's he deserved that like. And that's how it should be right. Yeah. Really. And I know you have to manage minutes. And I know that when push comes to shove, yeah, you, you do you obviously have to have an image of who's playing when in and around. Sure. You know, not not totally, but you have to have some sort of you can't just have a blank slate every week because like you need that continuity as well. But to to be essentially saying to fellas like, if you perform, like you're in, end of. You know, if you if you if you keep performing throughout the week and you perform at the weekend, it's not a case of, okay, you did really well. We'll see you again in a few weeks. It's a case of, like, you're in until someone else takes it off you. That's huge. That internal competition is is massive. We've probably seen the most of that in Leinster in the last couple of seasons, when, you know, like, your other your starting back row might not be starting for Leinster that weekend, and suddenly, you know, there's an opportunity for three guys to put their hand up, and usually they do, which just continues that internal drive. So, I mean that's exactly what you want as a team. So like it's 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 great to see like and it clearly like how can I say it? It doesn't breed contempt then either. Like if you're if if you're one of the guys pushing for a spot, but you know that the guy in front of you is still performing that bit better, you can't have any argument. But if you are performing and you are getting the start, rather than sitting on a bench behind the guy you feel you're doing better than. Like, I'm not saying there was contempt in previous camps or anything like that, but it's it's it makes your job as a coach so much easier because you can sit down and you can be like, well, he's he's performing. It's as simple as that. Like, and if you're doing more than him, you'll be in. And it's so clear
0: cut. I think so. And for the, the Saints in particular, I think Munster, looking back at that first game, Munster would have been happy with their scrum. They would have been, They were. I thought they were very solid. They won a couple of penalties there and um, apart from when sort of the yellow cards kicked in i think they were they were they were very good i don't think they'll have too many worries about that they'll want to make sure that they have again the line out option given the platform to play they'll be looking to play a bit more it's obviously at home for most of this time i'm going to go with a comfortable enough win for monster i think they'll get a, a five try or sorry a four try a uh, bonus point out of that yeah am five points
1: i'm going to go with the same to be honest with you um I, th- I just think they'll have too much for it, to be honest. And I'm pretty sure if Tom was here, he'd say the same too. So it's probably three for Munster this week.
0: Big Munster. Right, we'll move on then. Benetton won 31-29 in Italy on Saturday lunchtime. Big, big loss for Ulster. Um, they're ahead with, what, six, seven minutes to go. Gave it up against okay. a team with a yellow yellow card. Yep, It's not looking good for Ulster at the moment
1: no and like that's the thing that's what got me was like it was like as a neutral if you're a neutral it's an unbelievable game to watch like it was you know it was it was so balanced like and there was there was do you know what actually i think cost ulster the biggest was uh nearly with every turnover they had they were conceding tens of meters with just big massive long kicks down from benetton like benetton had no interest in kind of you know transitioning into attack a, a lot of the time, they had no interest in transitioning into attack and trying to create something off a of turnover. They were just like, we're going to pin you down there with every single turnover. And there was one kick chase they had, and I think it was Michelle uh, Lamarro who came up with the ball afterwards, but it was about a 40-odd, 50-odd-meter kick chase. A tackle was made, Lamarro was straight over that ball. And like we, we said last week that this game was a, a banana skin for Ulster. It turned out to be. But finally, when they went ahead with that mall try with about what I think it was like just over five minutes left, maybe, and you're kind of thinking to yourself okay you're you're two points up now against or sorry you're yeah, it was it was a point up sorry, you're a point up against the team now with a yellow card, just receive kickoff and just hold on to that ball for like just cheese the clock, and you know to give away the penalty, they kick that. Game over and you're kind of like, geez, how did, how did that slip away? Like, do you know that kind of way? Like it's even though it was a high scoring game, you're kind of like, it's, you're so close, just finish this out. And yeah, like you said it, I mean, it's, it's not looking good for Ulster. I mean, they now have to go away to La Rochelle, sail at home, the Stormers after that in the URC. And if you're looking at their run of games, like it's, it's a tough run of games. Like, it's 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 not getting any easier for Ulster. Like, and uh, like even after that Stormers game, I was only actually looking at it earlier, at the the, the running they have. And I'm actually just looking for it here because the likes of Munster and, like, Leinster, it's not too bad by the ending. Or Connacht's actually isn't too bad as well. But, like, you have La Rochelle, you have Sale, you have Stormers, you've then Glasgow away, potential to be sticky, because that's a spicy affair. You've Cardiff away. Again, I think Ulster are the better team, but they're just in a the place. They have Bulls at home. They have Dragons then at home. Probably should win that. And then they have Edinburgh to finish, who are currently sitting in eighth place. Like So, I mean, it's not a straightforward end to the season either by any stretch.
0: And they have the rearranged game now with the Sharks. Oh, the, the Sharks. Yeah,
1: yeah. Sorry, I forgot about that as well. Yeah.
0: They have, to, they have to travel down to South Africa in the middle of the Six Nations. Ireland are playing Italy on on that same day so they may be without some of their fringe players that may be getting a run in the italy game so that's going to be even worse than what i thought and going, going to back south to, africa to, yeah that's that's tough like uh, the one without when you know the sharks are likely to have their their internationals ready to play and that um, and that, that shark pack like, is ferocious Carlos Sadie, oh, that's all I'm going to say that's not a tight head combination that I'd want to face. No. um like going back to the match, I thought like it it started poorly for Ulster they they had three or four um out malfunctions inside the first sort of 15, 20 minutes, and then going back to your point on the kicking game, I thought Benetton were absolutely brilliant with their kicking strategy. Like, um, I think Tom has, has sort of talked about it a couple of times in the last few weeks. Ulster have a big pack build that they want to play off and they like to play off nine, big carriers. What Benetton did was they kicked long. And they it didn't matter whether it was a hack-up field or whatever else, they kicked long and they kept the ball in play. And they forced the Ulster pack up and down the pitch, running with it. And I think that actually tired them out. And it got to the point where I think in the last 15 minutes or so, 10, 15 minutes, it got to the point where I think that impacted Ulster. I think you then have the mental pressure that comes on from losing so many games and being under that sort of pressure in terms of winning points. You've had a coach call them out. like You've had Dan McFarland coming out and saying, you know, this is not good enough. He's had a right pop at the players and saying they need to fix it. And you're you're getting to a point now where... What exactly do Ulster have to do? You made the point, I think it was last week, where um, you said, you know, this is getting iconic. Like last season where they just got into a rut, into a, a situation whereby they just couldn't buy a win. And it wouldn't matter what way it comes out, you just have to get it. I think Ulster have got that win in terms of Connacht. Connacht, currently missing that conversion to draw the game was Connacht's way out of it and they could bounce back from that. But it has just kept sliding. They have two games coming up now in the european in the Champions Cup, which effectively mean nothing because unless they win probably both, they're out. It'll be be unusual to get through I think one win on it um so I'd say they're, they're probably out unless they win both. That's a way to La Rochelle home against sale That' would be tough to get I would say eight eight to ten points out of that i I can't really see it. Then you you've got these games. If it doesn't start changing around pretty soon, they're looking at a slide that could see them outside the top eight. It's 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 a long shot, but it could happen.
1: I think I think they will finish in the top eight of the ORC. I think I think Europe, unfortunately, like you said, is probably a step too far now at this stage. I do think they'll finish top eight of the ORC, but at the same time, I think Ulster and probably Ulster fans know won't like me saying this like but you just have to keep trusting the process i think i said this last week as well you can't we did because we talked about throwing the baby out with the bat water but like you you can't just up and change something in january of a season like you can't look at it and say well this isn't working or like just because it hasn't worked in the last maybe five odd weeks and and just you know get rid of this coach get rid of that coach get rid of the head coach like who are you going to get in at the same time you know and you you look at the time of the season, the World Cup, only around the corner, like everybody's business is done kind of a thing at this stage. So, you, like, you just have to trust the process. There's no other way to it. And I know Ian Madigan was on Twitter there um, chatting to um an Ulster fan not so long ago. And he was saying, like, we we firmly believe we can continue to win. Like, I think any professional outfit will have that mindset. Like. You look at Benetton there in the Pro 12 a couple of years ago, or Pro 14. They had. Did they win a game that season? I can't even remember, but you know, they won the Rainbow Cup the following year. And I know the Rainbow Cup is not equal to the URC. I'm not saying that it is, or it's not equal to Europe, like. but they didn't change anything massively in, in their game. They just kind of trusted the process and con- continued the way they went. Ulster just going to have to do that, unfortunately. And it's just. I suppose, for want of a way of putting it horribly unfortunate, they now have to go away to La Rochelle and test the process that's putting them under pressure at the moment. so uh, like even if you were a winning team, winning week in week out, I wouldn't like to go to La Rochelle, let alone at the moment when Ulster are under the pressure they're under
0: yeah, well, yeah, La Rochelle is not a nice place to go um they're They're a big team, they're going to put you under pressure. Um, I think they've they've changed things up at ten. They've got better options there now than they had previously. Um, I think they're a better side. The question is, what do Ulster do? Do Ulster look at this as a game that they want to to try and win? And I I mean this respectfully to them. Like, do you actually throw your frontliners at this and try and win a game that's maybe unwinnable, or do you sort of mix it up and try and rest players that you look to build from sale onwards? And I think that's a realistic um discussion that will will have to be had because you could go out and if you go full on against la rochelle you lose maybe pick up a few knocks or injuries that impact your ability to do something w- within the other games um i ho- i would hope that they they do give it a shot they do try and get some sort of form back together um on it but there's only so far that can go it's you you know As you said, you can't change everything, but if if what's working now, you have to make some tweaks to it to try and come back with something. They need to alter. There's something within their tactics to try and do it.
1: Here's a question for you. You're the coach. Do you do what you said there a second ago, as in rest players for La Rochelle and focus on sale onwards and kind of, I don't want to say write La Rochelle off, but certainly say like, okay, we're not focused on this now. Or do you go for it? Do you look to seek a win, which would be enormous? Do you look to win back some of the fans who are really pissed off at the moment with everything? Do you look to, you know, even, even if you lose by a couple of points, do you still look to go out swinging, essentially, and say, okay, even though, you know, we lost or there's a couple of points in this, this is a performance we can build on?
0: I, I would look to concentrate on the sale game. It's what I would do. I would I wouldn't be talking about sending out a reserve side, but I think you I think you rotate some players within that. Like and you, you see what's there. I mean like what are you going to learn from from having Billy Burns play another game at ten there?
1: Well you know, do if, you start Doke? If he doesn't start Doke probably starts, to be honest.
0: Well, yeah, but I mean like this is it. If you're if you're if if you're going to put Doke at ten, look you may you may as well send him to Jake Flannery somewhere else at this point, like, you know. He's, he's, and I, I mean this with the, with no disrespect to Jake Flannery, but it's the way Ulster are treating him. If you don't give Jake Flannery game time pretty soon, why the hell are you paying him a wage?
1: He's, I actually only looked it up there the last day. He's played 68 minutes in three games for Ulster so far this season. Yeah, 68 minutes. Something tells me he's not starting against La Rochelle this weekend.
0: And I'd be interested to see what Madigan's game time. i say he hasn't got much more.
1: He's injured though, isn't he? He only, he, yeah, I think but he, that's what I mean. Oh yeah, sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. But um he I think he warmed up there last weekend at the start of the game for he, the first he, time in a while. In,
0: he's back in contention this week. Oh, so is I, he? Oh, I mean okay. like it's okay. it's yeah. Um he's back to back to training and, and in contention uh this week as as far as I'm aware. Let me just pull that up. Uh I know they're
1: missing Maddie Ray and they're missing Rob Balakun as well. Marty Moore. So Marty I mean, Moore's out for
0: eight to nine months. Um they have um, who's it? Rob Balakoon is also injured, I think. Um, coming back from injuries, Rob Herring, Tom O'Toole, Alan O'Connor, and Ian Madigan. They'll be integrated back into training, uh, this week, and will be uh, monitored for selection.
1: Okay, I imagine the first three anyway: Euro, Tool, Herring, O'Connor. Like if if, if Ulster are in that game, they I think they'll be involved, and then Madigan maybe off the bench, maybe.
0: Yeah, and some something like that. But as I say, I think you do something. Do you, do you give Clooney a rest? Do you play doker at nine and either Burns or maybe Madigan at ten? Do you you know, do you start McCluskey? You, you know, he's played so many minutes within that team. There's others there that, you know, there's the likes of um Henderson. I know he hasn't got a, a massive amount of game time. He was injured for a while, but you still have to mind his minutes over the over the Christmas period. He's played quite a bit of that. Um if I was the coach and things you've said you're expect you're almost expected to lose this one you're on a bad run i think you try out new players to give them a chance because he's stuck generally with the same guys within the team and um, i think you give guys a chance to play and then you look to make a big effort against sale in the last game it's your last home game it's effectively your only home game in europe this season i think for for ulster if you think of it that way you need to have the crowd in the, like the, the first game for all the various reasons and the investigation, which I think still has to come out of that um you know you' you've got one chance to get the 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 folks in I think you put out your strongest team against sale and then you try and carry that forward as much as possible to try and get momentum. What would you do?
1: I actually don't know to be honest, a little bit of me is thinking well like we've every chance of winning like if you're the coach and you're the players, like that's a hundred percent your mindset. It has to be at the professional level like and be it naive or be it silly, like, like why play the game? If you don't believe you're going to win it. So a little bit of me is like, oh, well, we'd probably go for it. But like you said, the latter also makes perfect sense. You know, it's, it's a case of you're damned if you do damned, if you don't kind of a thing, mm-hmm. I, know, I know that's a real politician's answer. Like, but it's a tough, it's, it's, it's a tough one. I suppose we'll know what in the next day or two anyway. Um, I hate recording this when the teams aren't announced I genuinely hate it um, but anyway like everything we talked about there could just be, be meaningless by <laughs> by <lunchtime laughs> Friday you know that kind of yeah. um, who would you see winning it?
0: I can't see past the bonus point win for La Rochelle.
1: yeah I, I I think it's going to be a win for La Rochelle as well to be honest with you and uh, I think Tom Tom said Ulster I think did he Tom, say old? Tom, 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 Tom said yeah. Train
0: finders. ealing trail finders.
1: Ealing Trailfinders. Um well, yeah, look, he probably I, I I he actually hasn't sent in a text with his choices, but I imagine he probably would go with La Rochelle. Um we'll be kind this week yeah, because he's so. he's running scared like a little boy. So um yeah, so that brings up Ooh. Oh Len-
0: can you him, after me? <laughs> <laughs> oh I was giving out to on Twitter.
1: Ooh. Um, so that brings up uh, Leinster Ospreys, I believe, does it?
0: No, Iconic Sharks. Oh, so yeah. It was the game okay, before. Yeah, yeah.
1: sorry. Um, yeah.
0: Grand game. won 24 12.
1: Yeah. And
0: probably like, could have been a bit closer if Sharks had.
1: Sharks. Had, like it, was, the it, game, was, it was, was It was 24 nil after an hour. like So it sounds close, but yeah. I mean, kind of probably switched off in that last quarter. Um, do you know, they had the bonus point try 24 points up like you know i think it was a was there maybe like 19 minutes left or something like that when van R- renberg scored so like you know the game was over more or less so probably just switched off a little bit it's probably I'd go as far as to say that's probably Connock's worst fi- final quarter of the season so far No, i haven't looked it up so this is the top of my head but i would go that far because i don't i think they turned that around i know we talked quite a bit about it last season but um the if it's actually their strongest so far this season that quarter so that's an interesting side of it but it was a pretty comfortable win for for Connacht overall really wasn't it like
0: yeah look I, I think Connacht managed the conditions better they um they got on top they played well mac hansen i love that um what you call it? the basketball style
1: the it's, bounce uh, yeah oh, unreal.
0: But, but, oh, that's class absolutely class i mean look Connacht were the better team they they managed the game better they played it in the right areas Sharks had a, I think it was tried disallowed in the last sort of 15, 20 minutes, wasn't it? Um, and it could have, could have been a lot closer towards the end, but Connacht did enough to, to see it out. I think that was the big game for Connacht. I think if they'd lost that, they would have been in a lot of trouble.
1: Yeah, 100%. Um,
0: it, this brings them back up to where I think they are really sort of close to that sort of seventh to tenth position. That's where, that's where for me, where they're aiming in the league. And if they get into that seventh position, then they get into the Champions Cup next season. Um they need a lot of things to go their way, but they they've been through they've played Munster twice. I think they've played Leinster twice. They've played Ulster twice already.
1: Uh they have played Ulster twice, yeah.
0: yeah right. And they've been to South Africa. Yeah. They're that's their big that's their big games. So like you know, the rest of, for the rest of the season, if they can see this out. They've they've rotated players um, and given game time over the first sort of uh, pre Christmas for their for their Challenge Cup games. It'd be interesting to see what they do against Breve again. As you said, look, this is hard doing this before they've sort of named their teams. I I think Connacht have a good chance to to get a decent run at it and make a make a play for that seventh or eighth spot and get into the the Champions Cup knockouts although it would be unusual to see all four Irish teams in there, I think probably the best they can hope for is three, so it would be an uphill task for Connacht.
1: Yeah, I think that Connacht will look at Breiv and say, like, let's go, we're on here, because of the the Challenge Cup and everything like that, and like they're two from two so far, they've beaten Breiv in France already this year, like, uh, they look at that game and they'll be like, yeah, 100%, let's go for it, and I think they will go all guns blazing for it, to be honest with you, Uh, I'd I'd be surprised if they didn't, but even URC wise, then, like you said, making a play at the end of the season. I know they've the lines at home after the next two weeks of Europe. They've zebra away. They'll target that hundred percent. Um, like it goes without saying, no disrespect, no respect to zebra. Um, but they have they have dragons away after that. They'll probably target that. After that, then they have Edinburgh at home home game. Why wouldn't you target it? Con- or they have Cardiff at home. Why wouldn't you ca- target it? Like, and then they finish up with Glasgow away. So I mean. They, they're, the the running they have compared to Ulster, it's not the worst in the world. Now, what? They're currently sitting on 11th and 25 points. 8th is 30 points. So, I mean, it's only a bonus point win between them. uh, Between Edinburgh, let's say, at 8th and Connacht in 11th, and they both played 12 games. So, you know, neither has a game in hand or anything like that. So, I mean, I know Sharks have two games in hand, and I know there's a couple of games in hand, like Glasgow have one and Ulster have one etc but I mean with the running they have it's not out of the realms of possibility for them to finish top 8 either like it's I'm not saying it's an easy thing to do but it's certainly doable
0: I think I think it is doable I think where they may end up is sort of in or around that 8th ninth spot and I think even if they get to 8th they're going to throw someone out who'll top a shield and it'll cost them Champions Cup next season
1: Oh, oh, sorry. So even if they finished eighth, a Shield winner somewhere else will push them out, is it?
0: We'll push them out of Champions Cup. They, they'd yeah. still be in the knockouts for the URC, but yeah. they wouldn't necessarily yeah, I know be a Champions Cup yeah, qualification yeah, yeah, yeah. for next season.
1: Okay, yeah. Yeah, that, that would be... What a kick in the teeth that would be. I know what happened. Was it Glasgow last year it happened?
0: Yeah. Or, it or Edinburgh. It was
1: one or the other, wasn't it? Um, If memory serves. Actually,
0: you no. Know. I can't remember now. I have to look. It yeah, up. I know. I know it
1: did happen. Um, but yeah. Uh, yeah, but like, yeah, that'd be a teeth But like, I I do think they could they could finish top eight. Like they could, and it's there. And like you said, the hard part of their season is like the the opening they had to this season. for the URC was horrific, like absolutely horrific. Um, so I mean, to 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 finish off kind of the way they are, they're in a good place to do okay. Like, so I don't know. It, it's kind of it'll be interesting to watch. I suppose.
0: Yeah, I think the other thing that's coming out of comments at the moment is around the um, the head coach. You know, Andy Friend is off at the end of the season. Um, Massey Lawler, obviously, is is leaving as well. They, there has been um, some comments that they're going to try and retain most of the rest of the staff, if not all the rest of the staff that are there. I think the, the big one then becomes the sort of, you know, is Pete Wilkins going to get that sort of top role or is he going to become the head coach with a, a DOR above him? Either way, um, I think one of the things that has come out is there hasn't. Connacht last season were very good about getting their business done in terms of recontracting and getting it done early. Um, there has been very very little news from Connacht in terms of you know getting guys recontracted this season. I would hope that a lot of that has been done in the background and has been kept quiet, and they're just waiting for the seat of approval in terms of the the coaching tickets etc. To, to announce a lot of this in bulk um, which you, you know it'll be interesting to see how all that plays out
1: I'm pretty sure it came out there during the week that Pete Wilkins hasn't been interviewed yet either for the DOR role mm. so that might hint that he's just staying on in the head coach kind of capacity gotcha. and again this is just me speculating like it means absolutely nothing but um, yeah it will be one to watch I coming back to Brieve I think they'll do it. I think it'll be an okay win. I think especially if the weather is like we saw last week where the rain was so heavy, it was almost going back up. Um, you know, it's. I don't think Brieve will want to be there, to be honest with you. Um, and I know there's this whole, um, there will be a narrative probably about that, likes of Sammy Arnold back to the sports ground or Abram Papalihi back or whatever. But I mean, in the overall scheme of things, it's nice they're coming back. It makes sweet fuck all difference to the performance of the team as a whole, or the 23. um. So I, I think that that Connacht will do it anyway.
0: Yeah, look for me, Connacht got a, a good win out in brief, um, before Christmas. I think coming back the way French teams generally treat European competitions, particularly in the pool stages, is not the best. I don't know whether they're going to send over a strong enough team to to be interested in this overall. So I'm going to go with a bonus point win for Connacht.
1: Will we say Tom is going for um, Brieve? just for the crack?
0: Brief. Just for the crack, we'll go with brief for yeah. yeah Actually, what what, what what are the scores now in, in the overall Reese Ruddock tournament?
1: I was actually afraid you'd ask me because I don't have them in front of me, so I don't know. But I know last week I went from Munster. Um, I think I was only wrong with Connacht. I went for Sharks, I think, if memory serves. So I got three in that one because I went for Benetton, uh, Munster, and Leinster. Although Leinster had me nervous for a while. Um, (laughs) But um, I went for those three anyway, I remember. And I think I was wrong with the the Connacht game. you remember?
0: Okay.
1: Uh, I think I got four out of four. Ah, Of course you did. Of course you did. I
0: will go back and listen to it. But the first time we don't have fine.
1: the notes in front of me, Owen magically gets four for four.
0: Oof. I, I actually got five out of four. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're fine, Jeff.
1: It doesn't matter. I'm so far ahead. Like be six for four if you want. Makes no odds to me. Okay, I'll, um, I'll take the
0: six, yeah. Four, um, will do you, four will do you fine.
1: Yeah, um, so that leaves us with Osprey's, doesn't it?
0: Osprey's against Leinster um, And Ziscrum. And Ziscrum. Um, <sighs> yeah, that was. It's not often. Munster scrum was under pressure. The Connacht's scrum was under pressure. The Monster scrum, I thought, um, went backwards rather than folded. But I have, n- I have not seen a tight head get dominated like that for a long, long time, the way Michael uh, Alatoa got done against the Osprey's.
1: The second it row was, behind him was facing his own touchline when he came up.
0: Yeah. His own his
1: own try line I should say. Like, yeah. that's insane.
0: He got lifted. And like, as, as a tight someone who played tight prop at a very, very low level, there is nothing worse in, in life than just feeling your legs, both your legs rise in the middle of a scrum and start to turn. You have no control. You have nothing. It is it's one of the scariest feelings you can have. Yeah.
1: And all, all you can, all you can do is just kind of be in the moment and just go shit, 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 Until it's over. Yeah. Like, to be honest with you. Um, oh, what a scrum. But again, Leinster came through. It was a sticky game. Um, like I was genuinely watching it. I, I was late to the game. So I think when I came, it was, was it 1910, I think, or was it 1912 maybe, or something like that, or, I can't really remember to be honest with you, but yeah. it was um or maybe sixteen, ten. I don't know. It, it it doesn't matter. But like Ospreys were ahead and I was kinda like, Oh, I wasn't expecting this like and then one quick change at halfback and ten minutes later Leinster are back in it and continue to dominate till they get the win, you know. So that was uh that was an interesting substitution, which I think we will probably have to mention.
0: Well, look, I I think the Lenin for me the first half was there was a, there was a couple of things that stood out to me first of all was the Leinster scrum got absolutely ridden you know and look it's it's been common for a while and people can say it's it's the, you know this is the second string scrum or whatever else but there are fundamentals within that that have been across a number of players but just, think, just on
1: that like Michael Alatoa was not signed to be a second string like I know he's been signed to go behind Furlong, etc like but he's not what you would call a, like a second string signing or a, you know no no he, he he's he's
0: not there as a squad fitter he, he's there to be in the, the Leinster's first choice 23 and that's that's it um you look at sort of the scrum Leinster and the, Ir- the Ireland I suppose um view of the scrum is as long as you can survive it and it doesn't cost you the game you get away with it and that's what happened here. They got absolutely ridden in the scrum, but there wasn't enough scrums and the Ospreys couldn't take advantage of it fully. That's grand. I think then the second thing that, that sort of came to me was I felt sorry for Harry Byrne. There's a guy who is learning his trade still. There is so much hype that has been put on him, but that will be a rough watch back for him. He had a lot of mistakes in it. He had a lot of errors, unforced errors. There was kicks out on the full. There was poor decisions. There was going... Uh, Handling um, issues within it, and to be honest with you, these are just things that he has to go through almost with with game time, with the team in there and in under the head under the spotlight, really. All right, and learn learn his trade going through it. Like he he, and he will get better for it, but like same idiots who were fucking calling for him to get into an Ireland, um, you know, squad. Never mind, or sorry, an Ireland twenty three. Never mind an extended Ireland squad. You know, this guy needs just time to work through it, get to where he is, and he could be a very good player. Um, it just wasn't his night. I think then you look at the impact off the bench. When when Leinster went and they brought the likes of Van der Fleer, they brought Sheen back on. came off for a couple of minutes, they brought him back on. So it was like you got know uh Van der Fleer, uh, James Ryan, Sheen came back on, and particularly um Ross Byrne changed it up. Ross Byrne is not your Freddie Michelak, I'm gonna, you know, start a running back line and get a back line moving, and we're gonna run all these great moves and score from under our own post. So what he is is a very good out half that knows his limitations, but can execute when he needs to within a certain style. And that style suits Leinster And he is, I think, the best choice for that behind Sexton. He came on, he didn't necessarily do that much fancy stuff or you know anything necessarily i would say outstanding but what he did do was he stood in the 10 channel he took the ball he didn't make mistakes he delivered when he had to and he was demanding of the ball and controlled the game and that's the difference along with the quality that leinster brought off the bench to blow away the ospreys in the last sort of 20 minutes
1: It was a game where i think you're watching it and you're like for the league let's say for the URC as a league, you're kind of thinking, if Ospreys win this, like, what a scalp. Like, this is a real attraction for the URC. But at the same time, I think you're kind of watching it and you're like, you see Leinster, just that last 20 minutes, just flex, just win that game. And you're like, there it is. You know, that's, it. I don't know how to describe it. Like, it's it's almost like a feeling of security. Like, okay, things are all right in the world again. You know, the, it, this this upset isn't going to happen like and yeah I don't know like yeah I felt Ross Byrne was very good when he came on. Now, you, you actually said the word I was thinking. He just demanded the ball and he just put huge pressure on Ospreys as a result. Um now again in terms of an Irish 10 shirt I think people will be getting ahead of themselves to say look at the impact he made there. Um like he's not doing it against your La Rochelle's like or your your Say Sharks or your Saracens or whatever like and until that happens, it, for me, it's a different conversation. But just a huge difference, just a huge swing, and yeah, the the other guys around him as well. Like, but I mean, the ten puts you about the place, and he 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 puts the game, he unfolds the game. Let's say so. No, I I felt he was very very good when he came on. I think Leinster. Well, <laughs> I was about to say I think Leinster are in a good place. They're obviously in a good place. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much goes without saying. But heading back into Europe now, like, and over to Gloucester, I mean, I think it's going to be a tighter game than we saw in the RDS. Like, I mean, it simply has to be, uh, considering who Gloucester sent over the last time, But or the Gloucester management, I should say. But, I mean, at the same time, even though Leinster are missing, let's say they're missing Henshaw and Charlie Natal, right, from who, who would probably fill in at 12. I mean, regardless of who they play 10, it's probably going to be Ross Byrne, let's be honest here. Um and it's probably going to be Ringrose at thirteen. So regardless of who they put in at twelve, like he's going to be taken care of. You know, there's there's going to be experience either side of him to help him to help guide him through the game, etc. Um, and Leinster have a rake of injuries. Like I know Jason Jenkins is injured. Um Tom Clarkson, Will Connors, um, Sexton and furlong aren't back for this game yet either. Um I was only reading the squad update today, sorry. Um anyway and more let's say but they, I I still think that they'll have too much for Gloucester because they're so used to just naming a 23 who will get the job done not who like might get the job done they actually just do get the job done there's always a nice mixture of let's say youth and experience like let's say even if for example Liam Turner comes in he only scored his first try there for Leinster a couple of weeks ago and you know even if he comes in at 12 there'll be no doubts about it it'll be like okay Here's a, here's a young guy getting a chance at European level, but he's still going to deliver because it's Leinster. They always do kind of a thing. Like it's, it's kind of boring to be honest at this stage. Um, not if you're a Leinster fan and if you're a Leinster fan listening, you're probably like, oh, they're only jealous, but yeah, I am a little, I am a little bit jealous as well, I suppose. But, you know, I just, I expect, I suppose service as normal or what's that, what's that phrase? Um, that, that is the phrase, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Normal
0: service
1: to be re- resumed. Yeah, 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 yeah. Normal service to be resumed. That's the one. Um, why do I always look to use a phrase that I don't know what it is? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I just I just think Leinster will will get the win here. Probably a bonus point win, to be honest with you. Um, Gloucester to be a lot better than what we saw in that first round or that second round, whatever it was. But um, uh, it's still a, still a Leinster win for me, to be honest with you. I mean, I think... David Vigalayet was a once off. Like the smart money's always on the giant. Like, you know,
0: that's it. Look, I, I agree. I, I think what Leinster have is um, maybe it's changing a little bit from where it was maybe two seasons ago, even last season. I think two seasons ago, Leinster could put out a full second string team and look to beat most teams in the league. Now, I think they still they have to rely. core players and they're doing a very good job of mixing it up but they still need the likes of a a Sheehan a Porter a James Ryan off the bench or a Van der Fleer or someone you know like a Ross Byrne not necessarily count them as a second string but someone really good there within that um, to guide them through it particularly up front they need those players to get them over the line which I don't think they needed a couple of seasons ago Um, and that's maybe showing that some of the other teams are making developments forward in what they're trying to do and getting closer to Leinster. They're nowhere near it. No other team could go through the league and sort of rest half their players and be and hope to be win as many games and as many sort of bonus point wins as Leinster have done. No one else has that squad available to them. But I think the, the gaps are starting to to sort of to close a little bit on that. Um nowhere nowhere near sort of getting close to, to sort of being other teams being willing to dominate or necessarily even challenge during the regular season. But it's I think it's good for the league overall. Gloucester going to get steamrolled, I think, no matter what Team Leinster put out. And I would worry for the likes of Gloucester. I know it's at home and they'll probably put up a, a strong team and a bit of a performance. This Leinster team, once they get going, they generally don't take the foot off the gas. They've, like you've seen that with some of the we've seen that with some of the really big wins, they put up, you know, sixty, seventy, eighty points on teams. I'd expect them to continue to do that. Um and I I fully expect that they'll have a, a bonus point win on Saturday lunchtime.
1: Was it that? I think it was actually Gloucester they played uh the last time when Sexton came on. There was about, I don't know, ten ish ish, I think, left. But Leinster got a penalty. I think like right at the death. Do you know what I mean? Like I think clock is ticking into red kind of a thing, and Sexton's like, "Yeah, we're going for the corner," and like you're a million points up, and he was like, "We're going, for, we're going for touch," and it was like, "Oh man, like come on, <laughs> there's stop, no, we're already there's dead. no need for this kind of a thing. Like you're actually just being mean at this stage." <laughs> but yeah, they they don't stop and they're ruthlessly efficient. Um, if if they get a sniff, regardless if they're ten points up or if they're 35 points up they play the exact same way and it's it's probably the biggest nod i have to leinster is the fact that do you know sometimes when you see teams kind of either get a big lead or come back into a game whatever and they suddenly change the way they're playing either just stop playing or protect the lead or kind of they just change what they're they were doing that got them there if that makes sense leinster will just continue like it's it's almost robotic and uh yeah, I, yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be a Leinster win. A decent performance from Gloucester, don't get me wrong, but like definitely a Leinster win, I'd say. I think in fairness to Tom, as often as he likes to give kudos to other teams, I think he'd say a Leinster win as well.
0: Yeah. I think so. Okay. Yeah, I can't I can't see beyond it. So we're going for uh three, three for Leinster. Th- three for Leinster. Three Irish wins for the for the weekend then.
1: Yeah, so and, we'll uh, and La Rochelle, I think. That's it, La isn't Rochelle. it? We, we yeah. Count, yeah, we count that as a sort of a
0: half Irish win for Raj. Like a ride.
1: Sure. Ulton, Delan, why not? <laughs> yeah. Let's go yeah. over
0: it. Let's go over that. Right, and uh, before we finish up then, we'll talk a little bit about the uh, women's interpros started last weekend. So there was big wins for Munster and Leinster. Munster beat Ulster 34-0, and Leinster beat Connacht 38-10. Um, I saw little bits of the both games. Leinster looked um very good, uh, in their thirty-eight ten win over Connacht. Um, saw that live on. I think it was Tina G, wasn't it? Had that T G. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm old school. I'm old school. Yeah, I was. I was just thinking. Tina yeah. Um, yeah, they had a actually, and while I'm giving credit to Tina G, the um, what you call it, the documentary that they had on Friday night after the Munster game was outstanding. The story wow. of um Irish women's rugby,
1: fabulous, wasn't it? Absolutely fabulous. Uh,
0: that was absolute class going back through the, the sort of the from in almost inception of the Irish women's national team all the way through, and people who've contributed to that, the big wins, and some of the. Some of the downsides that have been seen from it but i thought it was extremely honest really well put together and told a fantastic story from the you know from the players and the people involved from their own words i it was a superb documentary
1: probably the best thing about it was how raw it was like i think if it was made about irish rugby now or a province now it would be quite you know what they were saying would be quite polished like oh i can't say this can't say that whereas this was like just brutal honesty from the off and it was so raw like that that for me was probably it reminded me of do you remember the connacht documentary uh this was years ago um i think it was their first foray into europe and did they beat was it quinn's maybe or i remember toulouse was in their group yeah i can't i can't remember who they beat like but that that documentary that year there was one on connacht and like it was just raw. Like, like it was, there was no no punches pulled kind of thing. So it was, it was, yeah. Oh, geez, it was a fabulous production. So fair play to everybody involved. If you're listening, like it was, it was absolutely brilliant. And if you haven't seen it, folks, like sit down and on TG Carr player or, or Tina G. player and, <laughs> and get, just sit down and watch it. It's fabulous production. But uh, no, the games, yeah. I mean, to be honest with you, I don't think. Anyone saw different score lines happening? I thought, to be honest, the Monster or the the Connacht Leinster game would have been actually a wider score line. Like it took Leinster an awful long time to get going. Was it about half an hour in? It was still in Lille. And yes. you're kind of watching it and you're like, ah, oh, like it's it's a matter of time before this kind of kicks in. Like now, I I know the score lines were somewhat, you know, there's only six points in the difference uh, in the points difference of both score lines. Like, but Connacht will definitely take an awful lot more than Ulster will. Um, I think even before the 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 competition started, you know, it was it was very clear that it was going to be between Munster and Leinster, and kind of the the games were quite funny though because Munster started really well and then kind of died off a little bit, whereas it took Leinster a long time to get into the game. So I mean, Munster play Leinster now this weekend. For me Whoever wins this Is probably going to win The the, the tournament Or the championship Like Um, But it, it's going to be An absolute belter um, For Munster there Last weekend Dervlinic award Started at number 8 Went into hooker Two tries Like a fabulous game Like a fabulous game I actually I was actually talking On a different podcast there The last day um, About her And she always reminds me A bit of Heinrich Bursault For South Africa Back in the day Like you see her In the back row And you're kind of like Okay Maybe you're you know, like you may made Vogel leary beside her, you're kinda of like, okay, just a bit smaller in stature, like, but as soon as ball's in hand, like Jesus, what a runner, like. Um she and she and even to be able to swap like I know she does play hooker as well, like, but even to be able to swap into hooker then later in the game, like that's a nice little facility to have, you know, to have a player like her who you know can go the full lady, but can also switch into hooker as well and just and just keep that ball carrying and keep that defensive prowess as well, like on the pitch. So no, she was she was absolutely brilliant um it was a, i like i suppose the the games kind of and i maybe i'm wrong in saying this like but i suppose the two games as well kind of highlighted the disparity of the ail as well like it just kind of felt like that carried on a little bit more um you know like i mean the the leinster teams in the ail um compared to like you you even had a team from ulster there you know drop out before the the AIL started this season like uh, Bose went well but you know I know Balancholic struggled a little bit too Weijan's had a good enough season but you know not on par with the likes of Railway or Blackrock or or Belvedere Like, so it kind of I suppose that disparity of the AIL kind of poured through a little bit for me but at the same time two very good games I think the game of the entire tournament though is coming this Saturday with the Munster-Leinster game I think that's going to be an absolute belter like
0: I think so. I am one of one of the things that I was most impressed from from watching bits of it was the way that both Lensler and Munster tried to play. That they, they wanted to get the ball moving, they wanted to get it running. I thought there was some lovely moves uh, from the, was it Munster scored um that try from their, oh, their, own, their
1: own their own scrum in their twenty two, wasn't so, it?
0: Yeah. You know that and i thought you know some stuff uh which got the leinster winger left winger i can't remember her name now This apologies um scored a lovely try there just before i think it was half time as well i thought the the way the intention is there i thought it was uh, lovely to see some good running rugby within that but yeah the game game of the interprose i think is Munster leinster on saturday in musgrave park it's live on tina G, tg car or whatever they're called nowadays um <laughs> um, they, they're, they're, gonna gonna sponsor,
1: they're gonna sponsor us.
0: <laughs> well, if they sponsor us, I'll obviously get their name right. <laughs> uh,
1: ka-her, ka-her, ka-her. <laughs> um are we are we are we going for we'll predictions? For that. Are we adding these to our predictions as well?
0: Yeah yeah, why not? We we'll get Tom to give us predictions afterwards.
1: I'm going, go I'm going to go for a home win. Yeah, same. I'm going to go for a Munster home win, but I'm going to say Connacht's going to beat Ulster up in up in Ulster to be honest with
0: you. I'm going to um, I'm going to go and say I unfortunately I didn't see enough from Ulster in the game against Munster that would show that they maybe or or say I saw more from Connacht in their in their defeat to to Leinster than I saw for the Ulster game against Munster. It's hard maybe just off that one match to base it. Because um, there. But based on that, I'll I'll go for Connacht as well in the
1: second game. So the six points up for grabs next week. Six games. Six points points up for grabs. Same same as the number of points I
0: got for last week.
1: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think I think we've covered everything really, haven't we?
0: Yeah. So hopefully Tom will be out of um, doping prison. Uh. Uh, for next
1: week, you can return alleged alleged we've been in enough trouble
0: (laughs) allegedly Uh, so we'll round it up there folks thank you very much for listening to our ramblings and for supporting podcasts please do rate review the podcast whatever platform you listen as it really helps and also be sure to share it on social media hope you have a good week and at least two of the three of us will be back next week to chat again